now for God's word to you. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few people in it. A great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than might, yet the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one bungler destroys much good. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I hope you all have been having fun as we've been making our way through the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, my shirt is extra bright. I figured something should be bright in here to, uh, this morning. Um, but this week, uh, Brian Fuller sent me a little cartoon that maybe is, explains how you're feeling reading through Ecclesiastes. This is, I'll read it panel by panel if you can't read it. Theology and the dog. There's Snoopy and Charlie Brown. As it says in the ninth chapter of Ecclesiastes, a living dog is better than a dead lion. And what does that mean? I don't know, but I agree with it. That's maybe how the wisdom tradition feels just a little bit, right? Um, That was found just a little bit before what we read here this morning. Uh, But we've all heard it before. Try it 100% risk-free or your money back. Uh, If the pizza's not here in 30 minutes or less, then it's on us. I saw an auto body repair shop that said, your satisfaction guaranteed or your dent back. Um, (laughs) The car company Tesla got in trouble earlier this year for violating some regulations in the European Union, and now they are required to offer a money-back guarantee on all of their cars sold before a certain date up to one year past the sell date. So you know that cars depreciate right when you drive them off the lot. I guess their violation means they have to offer people money back because of some violation. We all like guarantees. We all want some assurance, some certainty with the things that we're buying, the services that we're participating in. When we buy a new car or a kitchen appliance or a TV, it often comes with a warranty that promise that if the the product is going to work, and if not, then we can get some of our, or if all of our money back. I like guarantees. I like guarantees, especially when it comes to this persistent plumbing problem we've had in our house. A plumbing problem that I know a lot of us in this area end up with, where the tree roots grow into into the, the sewer line. And so, It backs up onto the carpet where my kids like to play. Um, And the last time this happened was on Christmas Eve. Yes, feel sorry for me. (laughs) Feel sorry for me for the amount of money I had to pay a plumber to come out on Christmas Eve. Um, He came out. It was ridiculously expensive. He got the line working again. And when he was done, I said, can you give me some guarantee on your work? How long do I have? He said, well, our company doesn't offer guarantees. And, you know, that irritated me to no end. And so I went searching for a new plumber who came out. He checked out the line. He cleared it out for me. And he was so impressed with his job, he showed me he got the line 90% clear. And he said, I said, well, do you have a guarantee? He says, you have a one-year guarantee on the work that I've done. If the line backs up any time between in the next 12 months, I personally will come back out here and make sure the line is clear because that puppy is clean. So that gave me the guarantee I wanted, some confidence, some certainty in the work that he had done. It also gave that plumber a new customer. I was so impressed with him. 
But we like guarantees. It gives us certainty, a sense of assurance about some of the things that we, uh, the products that we're buying, the services that we're participating in. But of course, guarantees are not always what they look like, right? The airline Lufthansa offers a 100% guarantee that their customers will make their connecting flights if there are no weather or air traffic delays. (laughs) What constitutes 95% of, of air travel delays? Weather and air traffic control problems. What's to say that a, a restaurant that promises prompt and friendly service is going to be able to offer that on the, during peak rush hour on the weekend? Or what's to say a home inspector is going to be able to find all of the issues in the house that you're purchasing? We all want guarantees. We like guarantees. The problem is, is guarantees are incredibly hard to come by. Nobody can offer a 100% guarantee. And the truth is, is that guarantees become increasingly more difficult to offer as the variables increase. And where are there more variables than when it comes to life? That we want guarantees not only with the products we buy and the services we use, we want guarantees when it comes to our lives, our health, our our bank accounts, the careers that we've chosen, our political, social beliefs, our religious beliefs. We want some guarantee. We want some sense of certainty, something that stabilizes us in an uncertain world. But of course, certainty is hard to come by because life is so full of variables. One psychologist says that certainty is not an intellectual state, but it's an emotional one. And so in order to have certainty, we have to start reducing down the variables, getting rid of all that contradictory information. And we see that sometimes. Think about the complex social issues that we face. Have you ever noticed that it seems like there are some people who are so certain about how to solve these complex social issues that face our nation and our world? You probably have someone like that in your family, right? Labor Day is coming up. Pay attention to that uncle, that aunt, that brother or sister-in-law who is especially loudmouth, who has all of the solutions to complex social issues like immigration or gun control. They talk with such certainty, you wonder why Congress hasn't called them yet to help write the legislation. But of course, they're reducing down the variables to these complex things. I know that in my life, I go looking for certainty in those moments where I'm especially anxious. And one of the things that has made me anxious since I was a kid and continues to make me anxious is when there are bad or severe weather bad or severe weather comes rolling in. I grew up in the Midwest, like so many of you. We have severe weather. I have these memories of the sirens going off, the wind blowing and hiding in the basement and being especially afraid. And of course, it's gotten better. I've become more rational as I've become an adult. But even still, when watches and warnings come out, the wind starts blowing, I get a little anxious. And so what do I do? I pull out my weather app and start looking at the radar. (laughs) I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know what I'm looking at. But looking for some certainty, some assurance that everything's going to be okay, or I go looking for the local channel, the weatherman, but of course the weatherman can't give me certainty. That's why everyone's always so angry at the weatherman. (laughs) But some sense of certainty that everything is going to be okay. Or go listen to the fundamentalists of any world religion. Now, something I know that's high on your priority list. They talk with such certainty and assurance about what God is like as if God had personally revealed it to each and every one of them, what God's self is actually like. 
They talk about their scriptures as if it is the literal verbatim word of God, as if God had emailed it down from heaven. And they talk with such certainty about who's in and who's out, who God likes and who God doesn't like. And have you ever noticed the curious thing that the people God likes are people in their own group? And the people who God doesn't like are the people who they have a problem with. So weird, so curious, right? Maybe we're making God in our own image in that case, huh? But to give the the fundamentalists the benefit of the doubt, I think that they are speaking to that deep need within the human condition, this need for certainty, this need for a stabilizing force. I think it's why a lot of people end up in religion in the first place, is the world is uncertain. So religion can provide certainty for some folks. I remember earlier this year, there was a a preacher, a young preacher at a, a mega church, and she went viral for one line in her sermon where she said, Jesus is the only one who satisfies. And what she meant by that is Jesus, and by conflation, Christianity, is the only thing that can satisfy you in life. Now, I have immense theological problems with that. She's turned Jesus into the 100% guarantee on life. Ask some of Jesus' disciples about that guarantee. But all of my theological issues notwithstanding, I, I think... She is speaking to this deep need within human beings, this need for certainty, this need for assurance that that life is uncertain and destabilizing, especially over the last several years. And so we go looking for something that gives us certainty, something that stabilizes us in a destabilizing world. We go looking for it in our health. We go looking for it in our careers. We go looking for it in our social and political beliefs, our religious beliefs. And in Kohelet's day, they go looking for it in the wisdom tradition. So remember, we have been following along through the book of Ecclesiastes, and Kohelet is the teacher. Um, He is the teacher within what's known as the wisdom tradition. And the wisdom tradition, remember, is found across the ancient Near East, and the wisdom tradition is all about asking and seeking to answer, pondering those big questions of life. What is God like? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? What's the meaning of life? How am I supposed to live in relationship with God and with my neighbors? These are the questions that the wisdom tradition asks. And what I find so appealing about the wisdom tradition is that we find the answers to these questions by observing and paying attention to the world around us. That the answers to the big questions of life don't come down from heaven, so to speak, but they arise simply from our observations of the world that we don't need to be Moses on Mount Sinai receiving the stone tablets. We don't need to be Isaiah seeing a vision of the heavenly throne room. We don't need to be Paul on the road to Damascus. Each and every one of us can find answers to these questions. Each and every one of us can discern wisdom as we pay attention to the world around us. And the established wisdom tradition, which we find a lot in the book of Proverbs, is pretty optimistic and idealistic about our human ability to discern wisdom. So in the book of Proverbs, we meet this really interesting and fascinating character called Lady Wisdom. And Lady Wisdom is the feminine personification of wisdom itself. And so she is imagined to be there helping God create the world. There's this beautiful poem about her in chapter 8. She's there delighting with God in the creation of all that is. She's imagined sort of to be like a child of God, like a, a child helping a parent with a big project. Like when I build my Lego sets, Axel's sitting there and I tell him where to put the Legos and delighting with God in the creation of all things. 
Wisdom is sort of, in the established tradition, woven into the very fabric of the universe. Everything becomes a conversation partner as we discern uh, God, as we discern those big questions of life. It's not just human beings, but it's from our observations of the stars or looking at the plants or listening to the sound of the waves. Everything becomes a conversation partner in this discerning of these big questions of life. That wisdom is woven into the fabric of the universe. And even more than that, there's another story where Lady Wisdom stands in the marketplace and she shouts out for everybody to hear. She stands in the most public place we could imagine and her voice is resonant. Everybody can hear and discern wisdom. What does Lady Wisdom tell us? She tells us things like, it's important to have good relationships with other people especially with one's family. She says it's important to work hard, and I, and I think a, a word needs to be said about that. It's not sort of this Protestant work ethic where we, or about idleness and this sort of thing. Wisdom understands that life, because it's full of variables, sometimes people are unable to work. She also understands that, that because life is complex, uh, some of the hardest working people are people who are not wealthy. They are actually poor. And so this is why wisdom also calls out constantly for caring for those who are the downtrodden, working for justice. Speak for those who cannot speak. One of my favorite lines from the book of Proverbs, one of my favorite lines from the established wisdom tradition. Wisdom, too, calls for righteousness, living in right relationship with God and with other people. Wisdom calls for discerning and living at peace with God and this is what wisdom calls out to us about. This is what we discern, the established tradition says, as we pay attention to the world around us. And if we do all of this, the established tradition says, then life will go well for us. It's sort of a, a, a certain level of a guarantee. It's not a 100% guarantee. I don't think that would be fair to the Proverbs and the established wisdom tradition in the Bible. But it is some level of guarantee that if we can discern wisdom and live wisely, things will go well for us. Now, if you've been paying attention over the last few weeks, you can imagine that Kohelet has some big issues with this. Um, Kohelet is both a teacher within the wisdom tradition, but also a critic of it. He's sort of like that professor with tenure. Um, who says and does whatever he wants, gives out A's to everybody just for signing up for his class because the administration can't fire him anymore. Um, you can imagine him sitting in the faculty cafeteria with his colleague Job, just bemoaning the, the traditional established wisdom tradition. Um, Kohelet sees this as way too idealistic, way too optimistic. It's not that Kohelet thinks that wisdom is a bad thing. We see it right here in the opening line of the section that we read, I saw the wisdom that happened under the sun, and to me it seemed to be a good thing. Wisdom is good for Kohelet. It is a good thing to live in right relationship with other people. It is a good thing to seek to, to heal the wounds within one's family or with one, one's friend group. It is a, a good thing to seek justice in the world. We saw this last week, him crying tears with those who are oppressed. It affects him in a deeply personal way. It is a good thing to live in right relationship with your creator. But what, we, but what Kohelet is a little more pessimistic about is the sort of readily available way that the established tradition makes our discernment. He's a little, uh, he's a little pessimistic about that, and he's certainly pessimistic about the idea that if we live wisely, 
then everything will go well for us. That wisdom for Kohelet is not this loud, resonant thing that we see in the book of Proverbs, standing in the marketplace, in the public square, ready for everybody to hear. It's a much quieter thing. It's a lot more like a whisper. It looks like this parable he tells where there's a a small town, a small city, and it's besieged by an army, and the town's folks look around and say, how are we going to How are we going to get out of this? And they look to the king, they look to the town magistrates, and nobody has the answer. But then the word of wisdom comes from a poor, wise man, offering wisdom, offering a way out. That wisdom doesn't come from the marketplace, from the shouts of the powerful. It comes in this soft, quiet voice. It comes sort of from the margins. It comes from these unexpected places. And if wisdom speaks to us softly like that, there is no guarantee that anybody is going to hear it. There's no guarantee that that people are going to hear wisdom as a child. So we need those spaces in our lives, those times in our lives where everything can sort of quiet down and we can hear wisdom speak to us. If you are pondering those big questions of life, whatever your particular question is, if you're wondering about what, it, what God is like and what it means to be in relationship with other people, what the meaning of life is, those answers come to us not as a shout, but quietly. Have you ever noticed that in those moments when you're laying in bed trying to go to sleep, that thing you've been stressing about, suddenly something pops into your head about how to make your way through, or that, that problem you've been trying to find a solution to, suddenly you, the solution dawns on you? I can't tell you how many sermons I have written lying in bed trying to go to sleep at night. (laughs) It's because everything finally is quiet. We all need those moments in our lives where all of the work is done, where the cell phone is off, the TV is off, and we can sit and be. That is where wisdom speaks to us, softly, gently, not in a shout. Wisdom is not going to shout at us. That children's time could not have been a better representation, I don't think, of how wisdom speaks to us. That the noise of foolishness is all around us, but there is wisdom gently calling out to us. But even if we can discern the word of wisdom, there's no guarantee that if we live wisely that things are going to work out well for us. And we know that just by simple observation of the world that it doesn't seem like those who are just and generous and kind are the ones who profit and prosper in life. It's often those who are unkind, unloving, and unjust. It's not just Kohelet who complains about this. Everybody complains about this. It's one of the big questions of the universe. We find it in the book of Psalms too. The psalmist constantly crying out to God, why does it seem like the wicked prosper? We know, too, that we might seek justice and seek to serve and love the poor and the downtrodden, but that might not always work out either. In fact, it could be completely disheartening how little uh, effort and how little progress we can make. It's not always going to be life-giving either. We can seek to know God, but we've all had those moments in our life where God seems to be far away from us. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've sat down to pray, waiting for God to speak and there's silence there. We know this. We know that just because we discern wisdom and seek to live wisely, there's no guarantee. We wish that wisdom could give us that guarantee, but it, it can't. And, 
And wisdom is really not about guarantees for Kohelet. Wisdom is about possibility. Um, that little, that poor man who offers wisdom to the city besieged, nobody remembers him. There's no monument to him in town square or some federal holiday with his name on it. And yet, wisdom was not wasted. It saved the city in that moment. Wisdom calls to us in that soft, gentle voice. And wisdom is never wasted. Yeah, we might serve the poor today, feed those who are hungry, and they might be hungry again later on. But it was never a waste to offer them bread in that moment. Yeah, we might seek to show love to somebody else, and and love might not be returned. But love spoken and given into the fabric of the universe is never wasted. Yes, we might seek to, to be just, to work for a world, for a better world for those who are called the least of these, our sisters and brothers, and we might be frustrated with how little progress we can make. But it is never a waste of time to seek to build a better world for those who are called the least of these, our sisters and brothers, a world where they are no longer called the least of these, our sisters and brothers. We might seek to heal the wounds in our personal relationships and it might not work out, but it is never a waste of time to seek to repair. Wisdom is not a guarantee, but wisdom speaks softly into the world. That wisdom comes to us in those moments like the parable, where the world seems to be going off the rails, where we're wondering where to go. There is wisdom speaking softly, gently to us, if we can have the ears to hear it. Thanks be to God. Amen.